Hiya folks, this month's behind the scenes is very much sound effects based. The first segment is a post-production discussion between Alexa and myself. The second segment is kind of a behind the scenes in sound design on this episode. And finally, we have a special section um, from Maudlin's very own Wahini, I'm Kim Giannopoulos. Whoa! What a ride! <laughs> I mean, we started out with the most amazing action-packed script, and, and then we've got, like, the jungle location, and the cavern location, and most of the characters being chased around by molten lava. I mean, wow! <laughs> I mean, of course, from a production point of view, this is very obviously um, called for something very special indeed from me. And, in fact, this is actually the largest, biggest, most grandest production that we've ever done on Maud. 65 audio tracks. I mean, wow! And wow again! <laughs> Stevie did a fantastic job on this. There are some scripts that I look and go, oh, that's lovely. This script, I hand it off going, I'm so glad I'm not mixing this. No, but this was definitely more action-packed than the others. I tried to keep a variety in the scripts between the more dialogue-heavy and the action sequences. You'll notice that even more in series two. So, this one I did not find frightening in any way. However, I sent the script round. I always send all the scripts round to have them checked by lots of people I know. And I got back in return. That was terrifying. Uh, I don't find it so, but apparently it is. So, <laughs> I hope I didn't frighten anyone. <laughs> I thought it was very dull and a terrible script, but for some reason people seem to like it. I'm not sure how that happened, but... <laughs> Thanks for your kind words there, Alexa. Um, I must say, uh, this particular episode has probably been the most rewarding and most challenging um, of all the episodes that we've put into production thus far. I must say I'm quite surprised that some folks um, found this one frightening. Um, as I kind of saw this episode uh, more as a sort of Indiana Jones action-adventure type thing. You know, not really that scary at all. Um, just really big in terms of entertainment value and uh, action, of course. Um, for the record, um, this is exactly the sort of script I find most exciting to mix, produce and translate into audio. Um, the more complex it is, um, the better it is for me, um, as that's where I find the real challenge um, is production-wise. Um, so in terms of, sort of future scripts, um, I've kind of got this attitude of, uh, bring it on. <laughs> so, um, Hawaiian characters. How exactly did you come about developing these characters? You know, what sort of legends and such like are they based on? Well, as I mentioned on an earlier cast, I go simply by geographic location for the episodes. So this was written in as Hawaiian or Islands theme as we hadn't done anything in North America yet. Pele was an obvious choice, of course, and I looked through a great deal of books as well as spoke to some mates I have in Hawaii. I do know a lot of Hawaiians, 
I came up with this, which is part of an early legend, where you have the, is that, I believe, two, I can't recall now, <laughs> Hi'iaka, and that's an actual legend that they were going off on a quest. Unfortunately, it did not end well, but... <laughs> Here we see them partway through their journey. I do like to do that, where I will take a piece of mythology where they're partway through and bring them into Maudlin and then send them on their way. You'll see that later with Hercules, for example. He's only, I believe, on his third or fourth labour at that point when he arrives at Maudlin and they spoil things for him, so it's rather amusing, but yeah. Thanks for that. Uh, fascinating stuff. Um... I've just been doing a little bit of research myself, actually, um, and I don't know how accurate it is, like, because I've just got it from Wikipedia, um, but if I read it out, anyway. In Hawaiian mythology, Hiaka is a daughter of Humaya, or Humia, and Cain. Um, she was the patron goddess of Hawaii and the hula dancers, and lived in a sacred grove uh, where she spent her days dancing with the forest spirits. She's also called Hiaka Kapoli or Pele, uh, literally meaning cradle in the bosom of Pele. Hiaka was conceived in Tahiti, but carried in the form of an egg uh, to Hawaii by Pele, who kept the egg with her at all times um, to incubate it. Hiaka is Pele's most favourite and loyal sister, although they have also had their differences. At one point in time, Pele left her body by astral projection um, to appear at a festival in Kawa, uh, where she fell in love with a young chief named Lahoyawa. Uh, upon her return, she longed for him and decided to send a messenger uh, to bring him to her. Hiaka volunteered um, to go on the dangerous journey as long as Pele would protect her sacred grove and her friend, um, Hapua. Pele agreed to Hiaka's request but insisted that she return to La Jolla within 40 days. She also instructed Hiaka not to fall in love with La Jolla um, or even embrace him. So I reckon you did um, a really grand job of um, sort of translating that legend into the script for episode 6 actually, Alexa. I'm sure our listeners will have um, <laughs> quite a bit of fun spotting the references actually within the episode, I think. <laughs> Certainly I did, anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> one thing that really did fascinate me about the Hiaka character um, is that she's both a young woman and an old woman as well, and sort of switches between the two sort of versions of herself um, throughout the episode. And um, I'm not sure how well this kind of came across in the final production, um, but there is actually a slightly different effect under the Hiaka voice um, for the young woman to the one that I used for the old woman. And of course, speaking of effects, um, which sections, Alexa, did you think worked particularly well um, on this episode? The sound effects that I thought were particularly interesting were at the end of the teaser. Uh, this, I believe, is the first Maudlin episode where the teaser begins in the other world rather than at Maudlin. It was so important to set the scene there and that the waterfall especially, I don't know where you got that or created it, but it really it sounded fantastic. I felt like there was water 
cascading down around me while I was listening. So that's probably my favorite moment. I have a thing for waterfalls. Uh, so, <laughs> trying to think, where of course, all the sounds for when the crevasse is opening up in the grounds. Amazing. It really felt like the ground was disappearing by your feet. So that was fantastic as well. The lava, I always imagined, is slightly a little more bubbly rather than as crisp as it is. So, I mean, it was not that it was bad, it was it was good, but I just think of lava a little more bubbly rather than how it was. Although I know there's several different sorts of lava, so perhaps it was a different sort than what I was thinking of. I've seen a lot of documentaries on Hawaii and or the lava activity there. So, out of curiosity, what sparked the lava effects that you had created? Thanks for those kind words. Um, I must admit, I'm, I'm quite a fan of waterfall type noises too. Um, just an absolutely beautiful sound. It's so relaxing as well, don't you find? I'm really glad um, that you noticed that one and that it came across with a desired effect. Because um, I did actually spend quite a bit of time enhancing the stereo field on the waterfall sound itself. Um, just for reference, by the way, um, within the cavern, um, there's actually a line in the script that states that there's actually water there. Um, but also the script states quite clearly uh, footsteps on rock. Um, so I didn't really want to hear all these sort of squelching footsteps. Um, so I thought I'd create the, the idea that there is water down there in the cavern by adding an underground stream as well. So if you listen quite carefully, um, just slightly over to the right hand side of the mix, um, you'll hear an underground stream flowing. Glad you enjoyed the uh, ground breaking up. <laughs> Those were really fun sequences to put together. And um, in actual fact, I'm kind of especially proud of the bit where the main characters actually climb out of the hole. Bit of a funny story around the rock effects, um, actually, as it goes. Um, I share quite a lot of sound effects uh, with Bill Holweg, who's certainly one of my favourite producers of audio drama. Anyhow, um, so if you're flicking through a Broken Sea, by the way, folks, um, check out Bill's Conan series and uh, Grog and Griffin. Absolutely brilliantly well produced. Um, anyhow, just before I started production, um, Bill was asked by someone else um, for some avalanche type sounds for a completely different project, of course. Um, so Bill compiled sort of like a pack of sort of falling rocks and such like uh, sound effects and uh, copied me in on the email um, just in case I could find a use for them. Now I always download everything Bill sends me um, simply because I, you never know when it's going to come in handy. Um, but this particular one couldn't have come at a better time. <laughs> I've got absolutely boatloads of falling rock sounds, avalanche sounds, grounds opening up, um, I suppose earthquake sounds, you name it. It was absolutely spot on. Perfect timing, Bill, and uh, thanks very much, mate. As for the lava, um, those sequences for me... Um, kind of reminded me again, as I mentioned earlier, I always viewed this episode as sort of somewhat of an Indiana Jones type action adventure and 
the characters, or our main characters being chased through the caverns um, by lava, it's sort of, to me, is it was sort of akin to um, that scene in the first Indiana Jones film where Indy's being chased through a cavern by this giant rolling rock ball. <laughs> now, one thing I've noticed about lava is that it tends to bubble more when it's actually static. And I wanted to give the impression that when the characters are being chased by this, you know, flowing river of lava, um, that obviously it's not static, and that it's actually moving quite rapidly. Um, so I was kind of pretty conscious about the, the sort of bubbling type noises. And yeah, I actually deliberately um, chose sort of flowing lava type sounds um, without the bubbles, simply because the, the lava's actually moving at high velocity. And then, of course, uh, in true modelling fashion, um, the lava that we have in this episode is sort of mythically based. Um, you know, I always had in the back of my mind uh, when I was putting the lava effects together um, that Pele had actually magicked the lava into existence. Um, so it wasn't just something that was naturally forming there in the cavern. Now, if you were directing such a scene in, say, a movie, um, I'm guessing what you would tend to do is that in order to really create this feeling that the whole cavern is shaking as this river of molten rock comes towards the characters would be that you'd probably get your um, cameraman to sort of shake the camera somewhat and I've tried to recreate that in audio um, just shortly after Worsley says that the lava's flowing towards them in more than one direction, I added just a fraction of a distortion effect which sort of really shakes things up um, in much the same way that you would kind of expect it to be shaken up by this huge great big river of lava coming towards you. Terrific fun to do though of course. Fantastic. Thank you for explaining that. And I noticed you pointed out that this is mythologically based and not entirely realistic because a lot of people have pointed out that you know, the accents of the characters aren't necessarily well their way off. So, <laughs> particularly in this Hawaiian episode, several of us didn't even attempt one because I don't know if you've heard Kung Fu Action Theatre, but Patterson has the policy that no matter what character you're playing, you use your natural voice for the most part and don't attempt an accent. I, although I do like to hear some flavours of whatever geographic area it is, I think for the most part it is better to not attempt it entirely, or rather that those that do attempt it won't be perfect. If we would love to have uh, voice actors from all the geographic areas that were touching. For example, if we had an Irish character, it would be lovely to have someone from Ireland voicing the character, but unfortunately, most of the voice actors are in certain areas that are rather clumped. <laughs> I'm not sure why that is, but... Yeah, so... We did not have any Hawaiians, and... I forget who did attempted trifling accent, but 
Well, you might notice that in all the characters and all the episodes, especially if you're from that area, you will notice it particularly that they are not correct. However, remember this is mythology, and perhaps in the mythological worlds they talk like that, so try to forgive it. <laughs> Thank you. That's a very good point that you make there in respect to the accents, Alexa. The characters in question are indeed sort of mythically based, and as such, aren't from our realm or even our version of reality. Um, so, you know, technically speaking, who knows what sort of an accent they would speak with. Anyhow, on that note, I'm going to hand over to myself. <laughs> Hiya, folks. Um, this is Stevie, um, a.k.a. Skiffle, uh, Maudlin's producer. As many of you will be uh, aware, uh, Maudlin, the series, has its own set of forums uh, running on the Radio Play Contests website. And it was on one of these forums recently um, that we had a bit of a discussion going um, just on the sound effects that are used on the series. And it was suggested by one of our listeners that we might actually do a special one-off sort of documentary section as part of one of the future behind the scenes um, relating to just sound effects. Now, clearly, I can't go into every nuance uh, <laughs> of of what I've done um, to produce each episode, um, but with episode six, uh, with it being our biggest production of all uh, thus far, um, we thought it might be a very good idea to do just that. Um, so never let it be said that we don't listen to our listeners. <laughs> Is that a Zen riddle, by the way? <laughs> so anyhow, um, here's what I thought I'd do. Um, right at the very, very beginning of the episode, the very first sound you hear is this huge concoction of sort of jungle and animal sort of sound effects sort of just blasting at you. And technically, it all sort of came about because I really, I knew this was going to be a big production. And what I wanted to do is I kind of wanted to hit you, the listener, uh, with something really big and really complicated right from the very get-go. Um, so basically you had no idea what to expect for the rest of the episode. And I thought it might be interesting for us to take that apart piece by piece and um, sort of try and explain exactly how I put that together. Now I have to say, this one sort of three and a half second um, piece of audio actually took me in excess of about four and a half hours to put together. That's how much work goes into the production. So, for reference, here is the very sound that I've been referring to. Now I'm going to describe the way that I actually put this soundscape together um, in the same order that I actually put it together um, actually at the production stage. Um, so basically I started off with some general sort of jungle noises and kind of ran them through a stereo enhancer type filter which increases the stereo field and the separation between your left and your right speakers. And here it is. Now I also thought it would be kind of appropriate to sort of add to the dark vibe 
um, in terms of setting up this episode anyway, if I actually made it rain in the jungle. So I took some sort of jungly type rain noises, again running them through some stereo filters, and here they are. Now when you overlay the rain over the top of the sort of general jungle ambience, um, all with its stereo enhancements in place, um, you've already started to build up quite a dense backdrop for the other sounds to sit on top of, like so. Now next up, I thought I'd start overlayering animal-type noises. Um, so what you'll hear first initially is a snake hiss panning from the left to the right speaker, um, followed up by some gorilla-type uh, sounds that are actually pinging between the two speakers, uh, which was kind of an interesting type um, effect, I thought. And here are those very animal sounds, separated out from the final mix. And here's how the sound overlaid over the top of the rain and the general jungle ambience. Now at this stage you're probably thinking to yourself, we've already got a really good sort of dense soundscape here. Um, and you'd be right too. Um, however, I wanted to drive things just that little bit more. Because like I said, I wanted to hit you, the listener, with something really big and really grand right from the very get-go of the episode. So here's what I've done. I've put some uh, monkey sounds all sort of mixed up and jumbled up. And I faded them into your left speaker. <laughs> and of course, some more in your right speaker. <laughs> Which gives us a finished monkey track um, as follows. <laughs> And of course, here it is again, all mixed together and sounding fantastic. <laughs> now at this stage, you're probably thinking to yourself, man, that was an incredible amount of work for just three and a half seconds of audio. <laughs> and you'd be absolutely right, of course. Um, but I think it was worth it. Now before I leave the sound effects section, um, I thought I might discuss one of the other sort of interesting sound effects that's used on this episode. Now, the script itself um, describes it as magical Hawaiianish transformation sound. Wow! <laughs> and it's this one. <laughs> Again, this one's built up of lots and lots and lots of different layers. And I think about two and a half hours, I think, to create this particular one. Now, if memory serves, um, what I've done with this one um, is that being as how water's kind of very um, important in Hawaiian culture, um, I've overlaid, I think, at least two sort of background sea type, uh, ambient type effects. 
I then went on to the internet and I did a search on what traditional musical instruments are kind of specific to Hawaii. And I went out and I got some downloads of um, those very instruments and overlaid those one on top of another, on top of another, on top of another. I've made some of them sort of ping between the speakers, some of them crossfade across the speakers, and um, quite a complicated um, affair, actually, eventually. Um, I think as well, if um, once I'd got this sound effect into Sonar, my production software, um, I think I then went on to add um, some flange-type effects on the top of that again as well. Anyhow, um, I'm going to stop there. Um, but I hope that uh, you, the listener, um, kind of enjoyed that little sound effects section and uh, found it interesting. Hope it was what you were looking for. Hello, this is Kim Giannopoulos, and I was fortunate enough to play the role of Vahine in Episode 6 of Maudlin. I was particularly excited to see that an episode of Maudlin was going to feature Hawaiian characters, because I lived there for a time, a number of years ago, and I really fell in love with the entire culture and the people, and I really, really, I took a lot of it back with me. In fact, I even gave my daughter a Hawaiian middle name because it affected me so much. So when I saw this casting call go up, I thought, oh, I must make time to audition for this particular episode. And I was fortunate enough to get the role of Vahine, and I thank the director very much for giving me that opportunity. I liked the fact in the episode that it focused on the women of Hawaii, including Pele, the goddess who is represented by the volcanoes. The women in Hawaii who I knew were very strong, very proud women, but they would fight to the death for the people that they felt were important to them. They were very uh, nurturing, very comforting, but also very defensive, very strong. And I thought that the women in this episode fit that mold. Um, and the people in Hawaii take their love of the land very, very seriously. And Pele represents a great deal of the land in Hawaii. And I thought that was well represented in this episode. Now, how I got into voice acting, it was purely by accident. Um, I, almost two years ago now, I was introduced to a little show on the Sci-Fi Channel called Who Wants to Be a Superhero? And long story short, uh, after that was over, the first season was over, and the winner was selected, some of us started writing some stories incorporating his character and others and one of the members of our group decided that this would be a perfect venue for an audio drama. So some audio dramas started to be produced, and I actually got into it because I did some of the writing and did a couple of bit parts in some of the earlier episodes of that audio drama and just loved it to death. Hadn't been able to perform in quite some time. I used to dance pretty seriously and did some little acting, but uh, kind of got away from it, and I really just fell in love with performing again. So I was introduced to other websites and other audio dramas, and uh, over the past 
year or so have gotten brave and auditioned for other parts and been fortunate enough to get a number of them. So I uh, am continuing on with this as long as people will have me. I'm really enjoying it, getting to flex my vocal muscles, as it were, and take advantage of the opportunities that are out there. My two children actually have gotten a couple of parts as well in various audio dramas, so I'm not sure if it's a bug that I've passed on to them or what have you, but it's become a family thing to do now. So anyway, that's uh, probably enough about me. Thanks so much for the opportunity uh, to talk to you, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Maudlin. Take care.